you hate when I hit record on. I uh, do. Well, it's just it's like always when I'm like not ready. Like I was ready. <laughs> yeah. So like like right now. Yeah. Like right fucking now. So you would hate it if I was recording right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd really hate it. You would really it. hate me and just think I was a little. Demon. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yes. um, we got. God damn it! All right, all right. Just it's on the list. We're on the list. <laughs> we're on the list, folks. Is this technically is this our season one finale? Uh, I guess. I mean, unless Thomas decides to not be a little vomit monster. Right yeah. Now. So. Well, assuming he is, I'm honored to be the <laughs> final guest. Finale. And a good, a a good season monster. finale, I think. Couple yeah. good, uh. It's let's an just okay say what it is. Finale. Let's it's just say what it is. It's an okay season finale. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. No it's one a season one season. That. It's season one season finale where it's like this is good and wraps everything up neatly, but we gotta wraps it up. I wouldn't say. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into uh, it. I am your co-host Mason. I'm your co-host Noah, and uh, we yeah. have a special guest today. Special guest. We usually have special guests, but this is also a special guest. Um, I'm gonna try and introduce you the best I can, but you're gonna have to correct me. Uh, we have Can I ask, normally today? do your guests sort of have credits like things you sort of lead them in with not like specific credits but like just, just generally like occupation occupation yeah. Yeah. yeah this guest doesn't have an occupation yeah. though, so yeah. uh, but I'll say comedian is sure. that fair to say yeah is writer fair to say it's fair to say actor fair to say it's fair to say if you if I don't have to have done any of these things it's fair to say all of them yeah. <laughs> he is the president of the United States <laughs> uh, is writer uh, improviser uh Performer Chris Schlockian. Thank you. Welcome Thank you for having me. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to the pod, Chris. I'm very How are you doing today, to Chris? Here. I'm doing great. I just washed my car. I did it uh, by hand. Yeah. Whoa. No way. Yeah. Dish soap and baking soda. This is what Paven told me. I'm upstairs neighbor. He's a real weird guy, and he's got a bunch of crazy ideas. I feel like it's not. I think it's not eco friendly to wash your own car. Is it more eco-friendly to do it? Well, the other thing I did, so I didn't do a great job. Like, sure. I just kind of got the main crap off of it. There's a lot of bird shit on it. So nice. I mostly like got that off and it dried and it still kind of looks bad. So I figured sure. like it might not be eco-friendly, but I probably use less soap and water overall. M- maybe, but like that's just going to go into the fucking drain. Yeah. Like, I guess. The, the thing. And like at the car wash place, they like collect it and recycle it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it's actually yeah. more eco-friendly to spend the five dollars and drive, use your gas. Wow. To like pollute the earth <laughs> in order to get your car washed so that your chemicals don't go into the fucking drain. This is uh this is this is great discussion because we were gonna talk about Fern Gully the last rainforest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's your favorite film. Yeah, right? I'm yeah. uh eco terrorist. So you're the sl- well, Tim Curry the Tim Curry sludge monster or whatever. Yeah. He's the original Joker, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the original Joker. No, but this does maybe I don't know, maybe this ties into the album because the album's sort of like nostalgic, old time sure. things are simpler, things are easier do now. You, do you want to like preview for our guests a little bit like so what yeah, the album so, is? Yeah, so we do uh, album and then movie. Okay. So why don't you start with the Perfect. album that you brought. So today. I have uh, not physically with me. Unfortunately. We asked you to bring it. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. Village Green Preservation Society. I think it's actually called, yeah, round of applause. I think it's actually called The Kinks Are the Village Green Preservation Society. That is correct. Society. Yes. Yeah. yes. And it's by the Kinks. By the Kinks. Okay. Um, and it's, so the Kinks are sort of like Ray Davies and he had his brother and they had some guys who would sort of shuffle in and out who were the band sure. but Ray was like sort of the main guy he was the kinks he was the kinks yeah and he had this album he had just put out I believe it was called something else or something like that okay. um, are you saying previous to this or in yeah. like 2019 no it was pre- it was the one right before Village Green gotcha uh, it was called something else I think and he had one track on it called Village Green Mm. And he ended up not putting it on the album, and then he was like, "Okay, I want to make a full concept album out of this." Wow! Yeah. And so he expanded it, and that track appears sort of in the middle of the album, and there's 
all this other crazy stuff. Yeah, that's kind of where the album more or less blooms out of is that, is the yeah. village green. Yeah. yeah, and this sort of like specific, like a nostalgia. And it's, I like it because it's very nostalgic, but it also kind of shows like this, you know, vapidness of nostalgia yeah, so in a way. Your, what's, your, <laughs> so what's your history with the Kinks and with this album in particular? With this album, so I listened to this for the first time. I had a this cousin who was like 12 years older than me. He lived in New York also, and I would hang out with him, and he was sort of this like cool guy I looked up to. Yeah. Um, and love older cousins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love a good like... 28 year old cousin when you're 14 like, oh god like that is just, that is definitely your they guy. know the world yeah. they have everything under control yeah exactly so, they can get, prepare you for how jaded you're about to become yeah <laughs> and he was like he did comedy too so it really worked out great Holy um shit. and is your cousin Mark Marin? yeah my cousin's Mark Marin. lock uh, the gates <laughs> we got the cousins coming in yeah Mark, Mark is a recurring character on the podcast okay so we, we try to mention him once an episode yeah. well, check it off he's kind of like our joker a little bit <laughs> okay. try to mention him once I'm yeah. afraid if I don't mention him he's actually going to find out yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got this 28 year old cousin 28 year old cousin so I'm on the train with him long train right up to Harlem where he lives and he uh, gives me his phone with his headphones and he says you gotta listen to this album you're gonna love this album and I think I was in the seventh grade and I sat down on the train and listened to it all in full and it was like one of you know I think I was like probably at the time listening to mostly like joke songs like Kung Fu Fighting and stuff and like like Alan Sherman yeah stuff like that and like I guess the early Beatles stuff but I was not is that considered comedy music (laughs) (laughs) early Early joking Beatles tunes Um, but yeah I didn't have good taste in music is the point Um, and so this was like you still don't we'll get into that well and so this was the first album that I was like oh this is what you know this music can be good and now it holds a special function I feel like because it is the very nostalgic thing for me sure and it's like it plays into the nostalgia of the album and then I get to like experience that gotcha and then you know the songs as I've aged with the songs they've changed do you remember Walter used to be different when I was like 16 versus now and I imagine as I age it will continue to like evolve and shape so I like that that album has that power okay I had no idea that that was like what we were getting into, <laughs> like when, well, when when we got this album. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will also say that I don't know um, what the correct way to analyze these are, but I tend to, as my letterbox will show, like yeah, sure. I am very subjective with how I feel about well, I think everything. That's how anybody should be, yeah, should be yeah. honestly, you know. Like, I think like, what's objectivity? Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. And like, I think with the like idea of something being, I mean. With the idea of rating anything, yeah. you know, you have, like, a general consensus of, like, what, like, you know, most people might think, but then to find that thing that's, like, special to you, yeah. it must speak to you in some particular way, yeah. Yeah. and that is where the underrated quality comes in. It's like, why doesn't anyone else know about this? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. You like the party. Well, <laughs> with I, when I was a young man, I watched it many times. Yeah. I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And now I'm just like... Okay, but hear me out. I'm so glad. I'm so For glad. For the listener, I was grimacing. Yeah, I'm so glad we can do this, and I can publicly get this into the world. Thank so you, yeah. I'm a, I'm starting a campaign as of today. I was talking to Rocky about this. Hear me out. Planting a flag. Here we uh, go. Past and future guest Rocky Pajarito. Yeah, yeah. Rocky Pajarito, great guest and friend. And 
we were talking today, you remake the party, modern day, and it stars Shah Rukh Khan as himself. Whoa. Ooh. And he's at a fancy Hollywood party. He's the Tom Cruise of India, but here he's some nobody. Yep. And he's at like this bit, and you get all these celebrities to be in it, and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? He's some nobody Indian actor sure. in town. And they're all like mean to him and very vapid in Hollywood, and it's like a commentary on them. Meanwhile, he's like still super honorable, noble Shah Rukh Khan, yep. badass guy, yep. really into acting and like the spirit of it. And then by the end, he's, you know, uh, disenchanted by all this and he's like I'm going back to India where I'm basically God and yeah. I'm just gonna like rule it the town and then they all find out let's will this into the world I really yeah. like this idea right <laughs> I mean this is really cool yeah. and good and I, like I know that. I can't make it but if someone can <laughs> yeah if, if, if uh, what's that guy Bob Iger's listening yeah. to this <laughs> Bob Iger's listening to this <laughs> Seth Rogen exclusive yeah, exactly. yeah this could be like a Seth Rogen vehicle I, I was feel actually like. kind of thinking like him and Craig Robinson and yeah like yeah all, all the those guys and then yeah. they call in like, like they try to get Sam end, Rockwell like yeah the yeah end, they like, try to get some big some bigger guys who are less comedic that Shah Rukh Khan can sort of play off 100%. of Shah Rukh Khan being one of the biggest Bollywood yeah, stars perhaps the greatest living yeah. actor we can that's another podcast episode. perhaps that's a whole other <laughs> <laughs> podcast, <laughs> podcast. Uh, so this is an interesting thing I was looking up because 19 uh, like what albums were also coming out in 1968 and not only did we, the Kings are the Village Green Preservation Society uh, come out the same week as the White Album. Whoa! It precedes uh, Van Morrison's Astral Weeks by Whoa. Week, Ooh, wow. which are two like just kind of very uh, good albums. Yeah, very, both very good. <laughs> I think sort of classics. Yeah, Wonder how this one got lost. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is, explains a lot. Is, yeah, it does. Yeah. And this is like a very it's. Um, it has the kind of sound sometimes of like a novelty album. Yeah. Which is like big in British pop music at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very British, I yeah, feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably why it doesn't have like, you know, you think of your like kind of the big two of your, your British, the 60s British invasion was like, you know, you know the King, the the Stones and the Beatles. And if you know a third, it's the Kinks. Yeah. Uh, and if you know like a Kink song, you know probably like their earlier stuff like All Day or All the Night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Girl, I really, you really got me. You really me got now. me, yes. yeah. Blazing on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Waterloo sunset sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my experience with the Kinks, uh, I got into them because they uh, were in a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Yep. Yes, and Edgar Wright, I think. I think this think album too, yeah. is the soundtrack to Hot Fuzz or something. Like oh. A bunch of songs on this show. Well, that on. makes sense. Uh, I'm going to look up the Hot Fuzz soundtrack right now. But yeah. that's, uh, I think it's interesting that the uh, the White Album is this like kind of, like kind of this apex of 60s pop music mm-hmm. in a way where it's just like kind of, it's uh, just sounds and experimentation. It's lawless a little bit. It's a yeah. little lawless. Yeah. And this is like, Very this is a 15, jovial. yeah, this is a 15 track album that is 40 minutes long and there's barely a song on it that's over three minutes. Yeah. There's like maybe two or three. Yeah. So it's like a quick and fun listen and I, it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, no, what do you think about this album? Yeah, I. So t- no, let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into it. I, uh, it's interesting because my favorite Kinks album is Lola versus Power Man. Yeah, that's Can I look that's through the track list yeah. here. Yeah, that's my. That's got Lola. <laughs> we got Lola. We got Strangers. We got uh, 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 Eight Man Power Man. Like we got like Eight you Man's know some great. really yeah. great tracks on that one. And it was so shocking to me to find out these are two years apart. Yeah, yeah. they sound so different. At mm. least in my mind. In my mind, that you have uh, great village preservation, blah blah blah. Yeah. And that is like. 
like you guys were saying, very jovial, very British sounding, and like just again on a personal note, I don't like British sensibility stuff. Wow, I don't like yeah. British comedy very much. Oh, interesting. Um, and I don't. So really you don't like Monty Python and stuff? No. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That was Monty Python was big for me when yeah. I was growing up. I've never liked it. Like I had friends growing up who swore by Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I really tried. We even had sleepovers. We would try, and I'm you, you know, I, mean, I couldn't just go on my phone and be a dick at the time. But I was doing everything else that I could to be a dick about it. Just like, yeah, no, it's all right, it's fine. Like just yeah. you know, very yeah. like dismissive of everything. So I'm not a big British sensibility guy as far as like, especially comedy goes. Music is a little different, just because music as a whole kind of I think like transcends just right. like borders and whatever that is. Just like pure like making sounds, you know. I think yeah, that kind of transcends borders. I don't dislike the Village Green uh, Kinks album by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not an album that I like. Literally from song to song, I was I could not tell you what the previous one was, yeah, and I could not tell you like re- I really couldn't discern them apart for the most part. Interesting. So yeah. the, the, stand- the standouts for me on this album, like Arthur. This is the one in between Kinks and uh, I'm sorry, Village Green and Lola versus Power Man, because uh, that one is has some just because some good rock and rolling on it. Okay, uh, I like some good rock and not, rolling. That is not quite as indebted to because uh, that's the thing that I like about this album a lot is that each song is kind of like a little portrait of it's a little it's folky kind of thing. Yeah, and it's also an homage. And I happen to like really love homage stuff because I feel like it's sort of just like a saturated version of the thing you want. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, that's yeah. Really, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I tend to like really resonate with things that are blatant. Like we're just sort of doing a concise version of this whole sort of... So it's like this whole genre of sort of like British uh, like dance hall music kind yeah. of thing. Do you guys know the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band? No. <laughs> oh, man. No. Did, I, did I just have a stroke? No, what? really. <laughs> so it's the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. They're full comedy. They're a full okay. parody. But they... So that's what you're listening to at the time instead of <laughs> yeah. real music. Yeah. 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 I And these guys, I will argue, though, are really great. But okay. they also, it's the same thing where they're sort of playing into this. And the Beatles do this a bit, too, I think, where it's just sort of like reminiscent of 40s and 30s era British no, music. No, definitely. And then it's sort of playing with it and making fun of it while still sounding like it, which I always think is like a sign of a good sort of like satire commentary thing when you can sort of fit in the molds of it and then deconstruct it at the same time. Well, the best satire is the one that just is completely enamored with the subject. Yeah, you know? which this very much is. 100%. And it is this guy sort of like working through his nostalgia and then the realization of its sort of hollowness. And he's a very interesting guy who's very eccentric out there. Uh, and I think this album was his first attempt to... No, something else. The one right before it, I think, was his first attempt to sort of not just be, uh, like, you really got me, yeah, you know, that yeah, guy. Yeah, strictly like blues, blues rock. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to sort of flex a bit. And then this one, I think, is he's just really indulging himself. Yeah. And so I can see it. If you don't like the sensibilities of it, I see how this is just then indulgent and like... You, it did yeah. feel a little that way, 100%. But if you do, I would argue, if you do like the sensibilities of it, if you do like the sort of stuff they're playing around with, then it's like, like I said, it's the saturated sort of like... Like refined version of it that's you, really strong. What do you think if if you had to pin down like what is that homage then to or like what is that nostalgia looking back on you think in this album? I think it's supposed to be like thirties and forties era like England pre World War Two sort of uh, 
the awareness of the toppling of the empire has begun, okay. yeah. and so there's this clinging to like r- ritual. The village green preservation pa- society. Very pastoral imagery. Also, yeah, which is another thing. Yeah, is, and know. like the first song, the village green preservation society. Like they go through the whole thing of like we're stopping all these things from happening. Yeah, we're yeah, keeping yeah. all these things happening. It's very much like we're these traditionalists burying our heads into like what's currently the norm and we don't want to change sure. that in any way and then like it goes straight to do you remember walter which is like this very in my opinion very sad like guy trying to reach out to his friend from 30 years ago being like do you remember when we were interesting like do you remember when we used to like sure. yeah do things and now we just don't and it's sort of like this stale like everything's kind of bland now and you're, yeah. you're, you're clinging to this sort of thing right before the world literally turns upside down yeah right in world war ii and you know Society is there about to Yeah, and I'm sh- sure so. that's an implication of the song, too, of, like, it's probably a pre- and post-war correspondence happening there of, like, sure. do you remember the optimism of the 1930s versus, you know, now in the 1950s and 60s, that sort of realization of the chaos and everything. 100%. Um, yeah, this is, you know, you'll love the album. And I will also say, Phenomenal <laughs> Cat, I was okay. listening to that while walking around Orange smoking weed one night. It was probably one in the morning. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, this song comes on on the album, and right as it does, what should happen but a little cat. A little phenomenal, phenomenal cat. A little phenomenal cat shows up and walks with me for about three blocks, Holy pretty much cat. the duration of the song. What a phenomenal cat. Yeah, and yeah. then walks away. Wow. And so do with that what you will. That's part of my review, though. Uh, I think that's great. <laughs> I really like, uh, man, I kind of just love, uh, I, I just... Love ha- the I just love this album. I guess that's just what I'm gonna say. Yeah. Uh, I had listened to this top to bottom. I don't think because I went through a big kinks phase when I just graduated high school mm-hmm. or not high school college, uh, and I didn't give this one kind of the time of day. But this is very similar to like a Sergeant Pepper, yeah, or like a Pet Sounds kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and that I would say that too. With the, going back to the White album, I feel like that's an album that everyone sees as, and it is. It's like a masterwork. A lot went into it. Yeah. it. it is not an like it's. I mean, there's some homage elements to it, but it is very much like this complex vision. Yeah, and so I can see like this isn't necessarily this is a, a complex. Vi- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, so I can see the, it being sort of dismissed as it's lesser. It's more of like it's yeah, yeah, and they're very much trying to um, r- replicate a very specific tone. And I was doing a little bit of research, like just on the album in general. And this is not an album when it came out that got a ton of attention from mainstream press in a way. But it was sort of like the the. Uh, uh, in the underground music press really took a liking to it and really tried to champion yeah. it. Um, I really like the song Animal Farm. I really yeah. like Do Remember Walter. Cool. I like Picture Book. Picture I love the great. last song on the album. Picture Book was kind of ruined by a yeah. Kodak ad campaign, I think. Really? But yeah. Oh, no. It's, I mean, picture it right now. It's perfect. I'm thinking about it, and you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that song's playing. It's like people taking photos and stuff. It's moms and kids. It's perfect. It, yeah. it wrote itself. Picture book rather than pictures. People take pictures. That one's a little. That one's a little more off-putting. I feel like it picture is? book's so it is. light. I, I really like that song. Yeah, that I song too. I think is the better of the two because it is like a little weird and it's a little weird. Yeah, it's yeah. a little invasive too. The way he talks. Kind of like what you were doing before the podcast started. <laughs> what walking around in the different. Yeah, yeah. Complex. When I walked into that <laughs> random apartment complex and stood around some kids playing soccer and yeah. they kind of looked at me like, "Who is this guy?" And you said, "Hey, pass me the ball." Cool. And I stared thing about at the kinks that I love, which is just that they kind of just kept going throughout the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to a ton of their, I don't have a ton of God, yeah, actual knowledge really with. Well, yeah, I shit. kind of, 
I kind of stop around the mid to late 70s, I think, is when he becomes too uh, maybe esoteric. I don't know if that's the right I word. I think State of Confusion is a really good album, though. Really? I don't think I've yeah, had that, that one. one. There's a great... Um, Come Dancing's a really good song. Oh, I love Come Dancing. Come Dancing's yeah, a great that song. that song's great. Uh, it's just a very... You know the story behind that one? No. Uh, it's very heartbreaking. They wrote it about their sister that died. Oh, wow. And, like, she was a couple years older than them, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, we have this memory of our sister going out to the dance hall on weekends or whatever. And then they just... It really it. feels like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just this nice little tribute. And I, I, I want to say that she died in, a fi- in like, a fire. Holy yeah. shit. Maybe. There's something just, very British about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something very, uniquely British and tragic about that. The lead singer that. of the Bonzo Dog Doodah band died in a fire. <laughs> so, so. Don't like that. You can, you can cut it. Can we it's rename this podcast? <laughs> I like that you're telling me. All right, motion for the group. Should we rename this podcast the Bonzo Dog Doodah podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're going to die in a fire. <laughs> A little more fitting because uh, I feel it's, right now. It's, it's, that's Cali Living, baby. Uh, I, I can, we might. Yeah, yeah I mean, really I, well. I came out of Marriage Story last night and there was just a fire in uh, Burbank. Yeah. Like, that's beautiful. All that space. Yeah. <laughs> all that beautiful space. All yeah. that beautiful Warner Brothers space. Mm, uh, burned to the ground. But just to wrap it up, Chris, we have a little, our little uh, uh, way that we, our little. Uh, what is it, criteria? Or, I guess. It's I guess kind of our know. little, like, final... Our final thought, thing. yeah. Okay. We'd say whether we would recommend it or not if it was a conditional recommendation. And for me, this is a recommendation. I think that this is a really important bit of uh, kind of just, just pop and just music, especially in terms of the late 60s. And if you liked, like, the White Album and After Weeks and that kind of stuff, and you haven't given this a shot yet, fucking do it. It's it's There's good songs on it. I like it a lot. And I would also recommend it. And yes. I would say that specifically... Because I know where Noah's going with this, and I'm just going to stare at him the whole time he says Please. everything he has it's to say. It's not the first time yeah. on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Noah's completely fucked the whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, keep going. No, but I really will say, like, if this is your cup of tea, you're going to really love this. And if it's not necessarily, yeah, you know, I think it'll be interesting. Like, it'll be something you could listen to a few times and be like, oh, that was nice. Um, but if you like this stuff, if you like sort of more... Uh, British music, nostalgic stuff, homage stuff, uh, this style of music, I think uh, this one could stick around for you and it would be a nice thing to follow throughout your life, checking back in on this album every now and then. That's crazy, but I love that. That's a really good point I think I just made. I think you, I think, I think we should end the episode. Right um, I, here, I'm about to surprise the shit out of you, right? Okay. This is a conditional recommend. Hell yeah. Whoa. Whoa. And then you don't want to know why? Why? Yeah. It's because it's not my cup of tea, but it sure is your guys's. And you know, if that means that there are people out there who like really like this kind of thing, which there are a ton, there are people out there who absolutely go goo goo gaga over Monty Python and like, Black yeah. Adder and all that stuff. That's different, you know, than the music. But like, there's Kinks albums I do like. Like Lowler's Power Man, I think, is a great album. And I think that this is just one of those that really plays into the Britishness of everything. And you see what I got pulled up there. I do. You? Why? Yeah. What is this? It's a little secret. It's a little surprise oh for you. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Uh, uh, but uh, as a conditional recommend, it's not my thing. But if you are a fan of British Invasion and you're a fan of the Kinks, just any Kinks, it's definitely worth a listen to. But I gotta say. Phenomenal Cat's my least favorite song. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> like that song, but I had a profound experience while listening to it. Sure. And that's all that you can ask yeah, for exactly. from uh, anything. All right, so hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We got, hold we got on. a Tom Sharpling Best Show clip. Here. Yeah, well, Tom, I'm not going to play it, but I, I was listening to the episode from October 8th, What is the Worst Movie You've Ever Seen? Which is, you know, if you don't know what the best show is, it's this 
radio show that basically was turned into a podcast hosted by this guy named Tom Sharpling. Chris actually turned me on to it. I'm a big Sharpling guy. He's a silly little boy. He is. And in the episode, What's the Worst Movie You've Ever Seen? Bryce, Andrew Sandoval, I'm pretty sure it's this episode, they have a caller call in who like archives and like remasters music and they were talking about the kinks. Interesting. And this guy was like responsible for like re like doing and like archiving and preserving some of their I didn't know the albums they were talking about, but like some of their lesser known albums and like some of those like deeper cuts yeah. from the kinks. So if you're a Kinks guy and you're a best show guy, if you're Chris Schwalkian, <laughs> check out that episode. Wow, yeah, that sounds pretty ideal for me. Yeah. So I think we're good to move on to, our, to, move on to our other favorite Yeah, things. so now we're moving on to our the, our the second part of the show, which is where we talk about the movie. And uh, we, got, we, got, we got a good one. We got yeah. one that Noah uh, didn't like. And so that's I'm not really true. That's not true. That's not true. Okay, he has some opinion. I'll stand up for it. Okay. I'll stand up for his opinion on that's it. That's not true. I'm going to get into it because I have some... This is... Look, that last album, I think also not super underrated. I think it is underrated, but compared to this, this I think this, is way more lost. In yeah, I definitely think so too. I had kind of no idea. I This is not on my radar. Yeah. I've seen a couple Tati movies. Yeah, so this one I feel very... And I also feel very strongly that this is a like fundamentally misunderstood movie. Okay, So sure. I really want to I really want to stand let's, up for it. Let's get into it. We you got, love uh, to see it. You love to have it on the folks. Jacques yeah. Tati's Parade. We have Jacques Tati's Parade. 1974. Yes. Last... Feature he Last made, feature. yeah, yeah. Um, Less that he made. I, he's he wrote the movie. Uh, it was an anime. He wrote an animated yeah. movie that was made after his death. Yeah, like, so like his daughter made it or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Illusionist in yeah. 2010. Oh, I gotta check that, that out. He wrote that. Yeah. Oh wow. I think he wrote the like outline of it, and then someone wrote it. He's credited with the original screenplay. That's and, crazy. Uh, Sylvain Chomet. I don't know. Wrote the uh, did the adaptation and directed. Yeah, it. and I think that's his daughter or something. It's I, I will know. check that up. But talk about anyway. Uh, if, before you get into parade specifically, can you talk about how did you get introduced to the world of Jacques Tati? Absolutely. Because for yes. if you're listening to this and you've never seen a Tati film, I'll just say it straight up: this is not the one to start with. Mm, no, right. not at all. Definitely but not. He is. Absolutely, someone that you need to know about. Yeah, yeah. He, he himself is under. So, what would be? I definitely agree. What would be your guys's in on Tati? What would be like your? First I would say Hulu Holidays. I think the in the in. Yeah. I think that I would I say Monster Hulu's Holidays. Also, interesting. Yeah. I would say Mononk. I think you can jump straight to it. Well, Mononk was the first one that I saw when I was in film school, mm-hmm. and I love that movie. I have it. Well, it's not on my shelf anymore, but I have yeah, it I packed have up. Box set. Uh, I don't want that box I set. Box but set. I remember it was like nineteen or twenty in college. And I was like, this is like nothing I've ever seen before, mm-hmm. but. I'm I'm also, it's like 9.30 on a Tuesday, and I'm very <laughs> tired. Right that's now, true. Yeah. Because, well, I think, I think that's why I wouldn't start there, yeah. is because that's like, if like, if Monsieur Hulot's holiday is like baseline, Monk, is it Mononk or Mononk? Mononk. Mononk. I took I, French for 12 years, couldn't tell you really. Well, yeah. Oh, fuck. All right. Light well, flex, okay. Yeah. Well, Mononk. <laughs> yeah, weird flex, but I love yeah. it. Um, but if, 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 that, if Hulot's holiday is like the baseline for me, Mononk for me is like... <laughs> I don't think it's yeah. my uncle. Yeah, my, my uncle. uncle. My uncle. What did, I, what did I say? I think it was like Mononk or something. <laughs> monk. Yeah, monk. monk. I love Monk. Yeah. <laughs> Saloob's great. Yeah. But my uncle, which is the English translation, that to me is like him, but just jacked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Playtime is my uncle, 
butt jacked. Yeah. yeah. And, and Playtime is one of the apexes of cinema. Like, yeah, it's one and of he's the putting some commentary made. in there. He's really getting crazy. I mean, he, he did the other stuff, but I feel like Playtime, he goes all out. He does. I mean, he basically bankrupted himself making yeah. that movie. Oh, yeah. You also have to commend Tati because he made four movies because he would make, he would write a movie for like eight years. And then after like eight years, he'd be like, all right, I think it's good enough. And then wouldn't have any money to make it. And then yeah. he'd have to spend like another huge amount of time just trying to get it financed. Totally. Yeah. And it would release and really not make that much money. He'd get some acclaim. I think he did win an Oscar for Mononk. But really? He yeah. was nominated for one Oscar. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he for, really like uh, No, for uh, Monsieur Solo Holiday. Oh, really? Or The Vacations of... Yeah, Monsieur Solo Holiday. For yeah. writing or for directing? For uh, best... Right, no, for best writing story and screenplay. Oh, I thought Mononk got some foreign film something. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe anyway. not Oscars. Yeah, it might have been a different uh, award. It, uh, anyways. BAFTA. I don't know. Anyway, it was... Give the fuck. He <laughs> really... He never got the... Uh, praise or acclaim that he Not deserved, and yeah. unfortunately, like he was for a long time, like pushing through anyway. But apparently, after playtime, he was like very devastated and yeah. kind of stopped working. I mean, how can you not be when like a movie of that scale just completely doesn't get anything? Yeah, like it, like that is like right. that's that's like a fucking that's pulling the ship over the yeah. Mind, and there is know? like amongst like kind of I'd say like our like kind of like a, a crowd like our pseudophile crowd or mm-hmm. whatever you know like folks that are like roughly our age that are really into movies like kind of millennials Tati's one of their guys and Playtime is like a big one yeah I feel I feel like that's yeah. really kind of come around in roughly our generation yeah I feel like I almost got to him late like when I started watching Tati I feel like everyone around me had already seen Playtime oh, and all okay. that stuff uh, yeah well, so what so how did you so yeah I him? came across him about a year and a half ago now because that's think, very recent that's yeah very recent yeah. uh it was like no, maybe it was it was no, it was New Year's 2017 into 2018. Oh. I was at home for the holidays and I wasn't doing anything and uh I decided to watch Mr. Hulo's Holiday. Mm. Um and it I didn't even love it to be honest. Like I don't love that movie yeah, to be honest. I, I, I remember thinking like, "Oh, this guy's really interesting and this movie feels like the type of movies I want to be watching and you know, I'm going to look up this guy further." But I was like, "Oh, that was you know, that was nice." And then I watched Playtime, I think, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I think I then went back and watched Tulo. I've now seen every. I've seen all the shorts. I've seen okay. Traffic. I've seen all the stuff he's done, um, and I still think uh, Parade. No, I mean Playtime's really good. I just think the thing about Parade is I feel like it, you you can't even put it on that list because it like. It's kind of something else. It's barely a movie, to be yeah. honest. And like, it's it's a filmed like so. Did he do this show, like, live? Like, no. As, okay. The first time I watched it, I had that, like... In your head. I just sort of assumed, because I didn't want it to be ruined, so I was just like, in my head, what's happening right now is all these people have shown up for a performance, and Tati's just pulling out all the stops, yeah. and yeah. he's got this trained and group with him. And you're knocking over the lamps. And I'm knocking the over the lamps, yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. excited. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was what I was doing. But then eventually, I don't want to, like, give too much away, but about 40 or 50 minutes in, you start to realize that that's impossible. Yep. That, yeah. Like, you know, there's too much going on here, and it's too orchestrated. And then, for me, it just becomes, like, you you sort of surrender any, like... Logic. Logic, <laughs> intellect, like, superiority, ego. You just become so, like, charmed. You're watching an old circus, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's the best version of it. Like, 
It's the best version of an old-timey circus. All the guys who perform are, like, these weird hippie dudes. Yep. These, like, crazy outfits. Great beards. Yeah. The, like, backdrops. It's all these cool paintings they're just doing while they're shooting. Yeah. The performances are, it's just, like, juggling routines. But it's, yeah, but it's these, like, insanely immense and, like, my favorite scene, actually, is the juggling scene. Okay. I just get... Oh, the juggling scene is awesome. I'm completely hypnotized during that sequence. Okay. I just... And it's a very simple scene. It's just three professional jugglers doing... Top of their game. uh, Yeah, doing the absolute best work you've ever seen. And what I feel... I read a review on it on Letterboxd today, and the great phrase I came across was like, Tati is celebrating the uh, democratization of comedy here. And I think that's what is... democratization of comedy. That's what's so powerful about this movie is it's like, Tati is sort of this ringmaster. Yes. And then you you just see like 40 of these most talented, incredible people you've ever seen just casually doing their, their thing that they're masters of. Yeah. And you just get... In my view, like you get an appreciation for like, oh, it's it's all of these things, you know, like it's all these little components, and the magician comes out now, and like you you could look at it as like, oh, this is Tati's masterwork or whatever, you know, he's pulling all the strings here, but he's not really. No, he's just like bringing these guys into the room. And I think that that's really emphasized by I didn't want to bring up the ending right away yeah. because the ending to me is maybe one of the best endings ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't want to bring it up right away, but I think we'll we should get, we'll get to it. Yeah. I, th- I think we should dive in. A little bit because the democratization of comedy is a great phrase for the ending. And I think the ending punctuizes that Yeah. because throughout the movie, for those of you who haven't seen the movie who might be listening or, or if anyone's listening at all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at this point, but um, you're following, you, you start with these young children following them, you know, and this whole crowd into the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. and occasionally you get to check up on them and sort of see how they're doing, and then at the end, everyone's filing out, the show is over, and the kids stick around, and they go up on stage, and they start doing it. Yeah, yeah. they just are playing around. And they're bad at it, and it's fine, and they're just, like, blowing into things and knocking things around, and like, but that's the early, that's how it starts. That's how yeah. it starts, and it is so beautiful and so moving that it is worth watching the rest of the movie. Yeah. Or no, like, <laughs> hey, I don't just like this movie. I don't like, <laughs> like I th- you know, I think that that's, it's interesting that you said that Mon Uncle is a good one to start with because that's kind of a similar, when I think about that move, the movie Mon Uncle, even though I haven't seen it in five or six years or however long it's been, I, I whistle that theme. Yeah. Because <laughs> sure. it's just, I love it's the just music. an earworm. It just, I heard it uh, when I was in film school and I was just, it's so good, but that's also a movie, and I think that he's like, so he was trained as a a mime, a mime and a clown, but not like a freaky like white face like glass. Oh yeah, he was just sort of like the circus trainer. It's a circus trainer, and he's very um, he's a tremendous physical performer, and just the physical presence of Monsieur Hulot, like you see that guy, and you just like you kind of don't forget him. Um, it, he's it, the best possible version of Mr. Bean. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. And he's very indebted to like, Charming, like, Cha- like Chaplin and Silent Comedy. Like he would have. He's kind of like the a, like a lost silent film star. Like, yeah, he just like the wrong. And he knows that, yeah. so he rarely. I mean, Hulo um, Hulo never talks. Yeah, and he, he just like says little like sounds. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. he knows he's like that. My he's sensibilities. Very, he's observant. Are to he's that, like in a, yeah. Tanti's a, movies are very observant, and yeah. he's a very oh, observant yeah. guy. And, but the ending of Mononcle, uh, or the kind of main thematic concern of Mononcle is, like, the the creeping modernization and how it, like, breaks apart people. And that's the thing he's very concerned about. And what I love about Parade is that... Uh, it's still kind of doing that in a more positive like way. Yeah, it's still kind of like that, where it's, like, there's all these people, like, um, 
like you said, the democratization of comedy, kind of the democratization of uh, performance and art and expression and all this stuff where it's like uh, the audience members yeah. get involved. And you're, you're absolutely right. We're like, I was watching this and I'm like, so who it was like it was fun for me to be watching this and be like who's going to come up from the audience next yeah. like who's going to be the performer in the or like, like what skill is this guy going to have yeah, all like, of a sudden like all know? of a sudden this guy's like a great like like he can like ride a donkey yeah. than anybody else <laughs> yeah. or whatever and know? or the uh, guys who always start out as something else and then do a tumble horse routine. Yeah, the pommel horse. That's yeah, amazing I because they're so bad at it, yeah. but they're amazing at it, but they're but the doing that. Are always yeah. <laughs> they're like purposely being very bad at it in a way that you have to be so incredibly good at it. And to your point of like the modernization, this feels very much like it's sort of this return to ritual. Yeah. It's not saying like be afraid of the future, but it's saying like value all of this from the past. Yeah. Yeah. These yeah. spaces exactly. can still exist. Yeah. And, like, you know, he's using early video technology alongside 16mm and 35mm to capture this. And I don't really think that there's any specific, like, kind of rhyme or reason to that other than, like, just these are the cameras that he was able to get, more or less. I think he also, I think it was an experiment. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, to be honest, like, I could, I think it could have worked, probably just would have been way more expensive. It could have worked if it was all 35mm probably. Right, that's probably it. It was probably a a cost thing. And it's, like, I I just love the aesthetic of, like, early video. Yeah, well, I do think it works. There's a scene where those three weird guys are, like, sort of trotting as a dance. Yeah. And it's so blurry, and it's, like... You kind of don't know what's happening in that scene, and so it just becomes this very, like, weird-feeling moment, and then they just cut back to sort of the stage again, and it's all happening. And so I li- and, it, and it looks very sleek and beautiful mm-hmm. and presentational. So I think I don't think he was just like, well, now this scene's video, okay, this scene will be 16. Like, I yeah. do think he was very intentional with how he did that. Right. And then I'll also say I've lost the very important thing I wanted to bring up. No. No, no. You want me to say something? Say something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so the sequence that's early on in the beginning of the film, you just interrupt me anytime. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. The sequence that's early on in the beginning of the movie <clears throat> that was very influential for me specifically because I made my senior thesis uh, at Chapman University was about a clown and huh. he performs in the movie and I was very interested in like mostly the way Keaton moved and the way that uh, like as far as like the classic film stars. But the thing that influenced me the most as far as movement goes is Tati as the older man doing the fight. Yes. Yeah, okay, and That's this is perfect because yeah, yes. this is the thing I want to talk about. Oh, is it? So, okay, yeah. yeah. So what's there's a there's a world where Tati, older guy now, does his famous routines that you know, he'd been doing those for fifty years, way before he was talented. Or not talented, you know, known, famous. <laughs> way before he was the f- fucking good anyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, way before he was known or famous, you know, he would like, I think, just do stage versions of. I think the big thing that made him famous was the sports impressions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the soccer goalie, the tennis player. Yeah. And there's a world where you're watching him do that, and it's like kind of sad because he's like out of it now. Yeah. He looks like that's going to happen and then does the most masterful, yep. perfect, yep. hasn't missed the beat, the tennis player one, the boxing one. The boxing one's so boxing, yeah, boxing yeah, one's incredible. I mean, the physicality he's... Like 60 or 70 years Yeah, and to like still yeah. have that physicality. You know it like hurt to do that. And 100%. he's just still going. And then when he does uh, the maybe a little uh, problematic crossing guard thing. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, he's Again, it's just like he's so fluid still. He hasn't lost anything. Any of it, it's just like to, it's a sign of like a true master of his craft. Right, you know? it was like, one of the. It's one of those like it's interesting that you picked this one, and you could have picked any Tati for this. You could pick any movie you really wanted to for mm-hmm. this podcast, and you could have picked any Tati. But it's interesting you picked this one because 
you have to love Tati to love this movie. Yeah. And if you don't love, I think. I think you can like vaudeville and love this movie. Like, I think you can, the thing that's, I think, very interesting about this movie is it sort of is reaching, I think there's a modern version of this movie that's possible to be made that you, you sort of don't know where you are or what's happening at any given moment, and it's just sort of a series of just Dadaist entertainment in this way. And you can have a sort of framing of a circus or a carnival or something. Okay. But I feel like this pointed out how rigid the medium of film is. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. movie, that's what I kind of love about it, is I think, like, it might not be perfect, but what it did is he showed, like, you can do all of this with this medium. And there are some great directors we, who integrate sort of, like, you feel like it's staged. And we know the closest thing to this that I was thinking of is Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. That's the yeah, closest yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Seeing a Cirque du Soleil performance is, in my mind, the closest thing. And, like, there are videotaped versions of Cirque du Soleil. I remember even, I can't remember the name of the performance, but, like, in high school, when we're learning about, like, the hero's journey or whatever in English class, my teacher literally showed us uh, whatever the water version, whatever the water Cirque du Soleil mm-hmm. is. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how the fuck is this, like, relevant or anything? And he showed it to us, and I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Like, I get why it's relevant. Yeah. Like, you see arcs, you see, yeah. you know, emotional investment. In this one, you do, I would argue it's the same situation. It's, it's, it's working on the same level. It's just not showing it to you in the same way that you're yeah. used to. You know, it just occurred to me that this movie is also kind of very similar to Stop Making Sense. Yeah. The John oh, Hall that's absolutely. You know, because uh, that movie's... This is my favorite. One of my favorite things about this movie was that I love that it starts with the performers making the set. Yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. And I love that the the making of the space is as integral to the the thing as like the performance is itself. Yeah. Um, and that's very much like what is so magical. I think about stop making sense is that you're watching a band come together and then. The, 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 grid, the yeah. greatest concert of all time, yeah. basically. Um, and this is just, I, there's just, uh, you know, I'm not a huge circus guy, I guess. I don't know who would be. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, some people Some people are, might I, be. I didn't like, think I was, and then I watched this. And yeah, I, was but like, I bet I would I, love like, a circus. I love a circus right now. If you're not like going to do Barnum and Bailey or whatever yeah. and like, abuse animals. Yeah, like, well, that's another like, part of it. Yeah. And like, that horse scene does go on a little long. A little long. A long Jacques. Yeah, maybe could have cut two minutes off that. Yeah, I love Jacques Tati, man. Like, I yeah. just, like, I need to probably just, I'll probably rewatch him on Uncle Tonight, honestly, because yeah. I've just been dying to do that. That's also the thing, I mean, maybe this is a little blasphemous, but I feel like Tati, once you've seen, you should watch the movies first, like, sit down and really ingest them, but I will sometimes, like, if I'm painting or something, I will just, like, put a Tati movie on in the background. That's interesting. And yeah. it's very, like, you can kind of just check in with it, and it's very aesthetically pleasing. And it's so, it's... Why he is so fascinating, I think, and why he's like endure, why he endures, and why I think that he's like kind of you know quote unquote important or whatever is because like he's a trained clown that has this insane visual sensibility. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You know, um, and the per se, like his his intellect is so high too. That's the thing. He's a very he's a very smart guy, but he's also like. Um, He's a, he's very smart and also very compassionate. I think yeah. too. That's well. That's what I wanted to bring up is like in my uncle in playtime, even in uh, Hulo's Holiday. I never like it's really easy to be mean in comedy. Yeah, it's really easy. And to he be does mean. take shots. And I but I never feel like he's being mean. Yeah, yeah. I always am like. 
He's got a lot of compassion for people. He's got a lot of compassion for problems that people. I think have. he likes to point out that things are silly, not that people are bad. You yes, know, like yeah, yeah, people yeah. engage it's in like, silly behaviors. It's like the whole thing about my uncle. Like in my memory, it's like the the sort of conflict in that movie is between like the sort of communal living situation. Yeah, and the, you know the the family that's living in like this like square plot, and they need to make it like this very beautiful and fashionable thing. Yeah, and and it's it just like doesn't this, work. Yeah, and it's just this like scrambling chaos of like what is fashionable and hip and like these people don't know really what that is and they just have all this technology they think serves that function yeah. but there's never a part where you are supposed to be like well you know That's they the should know better too, but where it's like you know people are working and moving all this other but we're so isolated and apart from each yeah. other like the, the the price of all of this this speed and this sort of this, you know quote, innovation innovation yeah. is that it's breaking people apart. Yeah, he blames it on the system, not the people. Exactly, which I think he more people he has, need to do. Yeah, exa- and that's the thing is it's like you know it's it's easy to um, get mad at people for operating within a system. Yeah, but you just have to recognize that people are operating as best as they can, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, and he's never he's never cynical about it. It's always very much no, like I, this is the thing. And I think that's probably why he does he didn't like hit and wasn't like a huge box mm-hmm. office draw or whatever. And his movies didn't make a lot of money, and he like bankrupted himself yeah. like so many times is because he had this like kind of just guarded optimism almost in a way. And uh, that's not a thing that people can connect to very easily. Yeah. You connect to cynicism very yeah. easily. For da- that's for damn sure. I also yeah. think he was so. Uh, technically ahead of his time, that and is, like to think even about now, the other like movies. Even on his level, like now, yeah. Think you know? about the other movies that were coming out the year Mono came out, and like it's what the late fifties. Yeah, I think like fifty seven or something. Uh, Mononcle is nineteen fifty eight. Fifty eight, yeah. Wow. So to think about just like the experience of watching other movies that came out in fifty eight, they're all still sort of grainy, black and up? white. I was about to pull up. I mean, you do start to get like the big lavish musicals and stuff, but this is very soft spoken as compared to like an American Paris or something. Yeah, and so most viewing experiences. Uh, I'm about to look. Oh, so top grossing. No, f- oh, so the top grossing films in 1958 in the United States were South Pacific, Auntie Mame, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. This movie, No Time for Sergeants, that I've never heard about. Yeah. Probably a musical. G-G, These all sound like musicals. Yeah, Gigi, the Vikings, uh, the Young Lions. Uh, I most of these, I'm like. So it's like musicals yeah. and intense melodrama. Yeah. yeah. And that this is very much neither of those. Not at all. Uh, and so I can in see. In Poland, you have ashes and diamonds. <laughs> yeah, and then in in Europe, you're still mostly shooting black and white. Uh, 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 you're still uh, mostly doing sort of oh, like noirish elements. Street. Yeah, big deal on Madonna Street. It's uh, an Italian noir. Uh, I'm just like keep talking. I'm just gonna yeah, go yeah. So it's like on. you're still sort of doing these like grittier movies that are sort of uh, less aesthetically focused, or you're doing movies that are pretty much. Exclusively aesthetically focused, and they're big, lavish musicals. Totally. Or and like Tennessee Williams. Yeah, or you're doing these. Oh, you got Elevator to the Gallows came out this year. Oh, that's, that's a, a nice movie. one to slip. But that's a, that's a very like that's a black and white, and it's it's that jazz soundtrack. It's very, it's very chaotic. Yeah. And, yeah. Noir, nihilistic. So I see I how this movie. movie got left behind, and the fact that I think Mononk doesn't do this too much, but Playtime. What's so great about Playtime is. Uh, my favorite movies are, particularly with comedies, ones that you can go back and watch multiple times and find new things every time. And playtime, there's like four things happening at a given it, moment it's in kind some of shots. The, the, it's, that's kind of the draw of the film. Yeah. yeah. You get to just sort of look around the screen, and it's like all happening. So here are the movies that came out, the American movies that came out in 1967, the year that Playtime came out. Bonnie and Clyde, The Graduate, Gussie's Coming to Dinner, Cool Hand Luke, Dirty Dozen, In the Heat of the Night, 
and uh, you only live twice. Those are in, like, the abstract. Yeah, like, all very yeah. political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. very, yeah, like, not aesthetically also, oriented also necessarily. Very, I don't like, know if that's a term very, I Very, like, kind of small, <laughs> like, small and sort of character-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Where yeah. playtime is much more, like, you know, tat- like, Jacques Tati is, like, you know, the Hulot char- character is in it. But he's just sort of like the center, and the world moves around him. Yeah, and you're watching him as he's like trying to like get into a building. Basically, yeah, and how difficult that is nowadays. I couldn't believe when I heard that one of David Lynch's favorite movies is is well that and Hulo is Hulo's really? Holiday. Have you ever heard him talk about Mononk? There's like an eight minute. No, it's very great. He talks about how Mononk is the best comedy because it's maybe one of the only comedies that uses sound. Yeah. as a method of yeah. sure and, and the silences yeah. yeah yeah I think he's a big sound guy he yeah. loves the sound <laughs> yeah and Tati recognized that very early on the potential of sound in movies and sometimes it's goofy you know like sometimes sure. it is like a honk or something where it's like <laughs> you need a good honk but though. yeah but it's like he's trying I mean, it at least Harper you know Marks, like, Harper Marks made an entire career out of yeah honk, that's true you know? like that's yeah. <laughs> for every good honk there's like three or four just great little you know, <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's a good ratio. Yeah, right? yeah, that's fine. Oh, man. Uh, we pretty much run the gamut on Tati. I've never seen Traffic or Jour de Fates, or how do you say I haven't seen either of those either. Jour de Fate, yeah. I think. I've yep. never seen either of those, but um, I've seen the most, like, all the other big traffic ones. Traffic is honestly a movie you could just watch in the background. Like, there's Whoa. so little plot. I don't, I don't even is remember the plot, the plot of that like, of that he's just movie. stuck in traffic? Yeah, like, it's some, it's, it's, I don't even know if there's a central character. I don't remember. I've only seen this one once, but it is like very meandering, but it is beautiful because it's just these amazing cars and it's just sort of like shots of this, like the way they structure the shot to like look at the traffic and the, you know, the uh, geometry and stuff they create with all that. Um, But don't remember what it was about, honestly. And then, uh, I'm not even, yeah, thank you. Which is his first movie. Yeah. That one, uh, I honestly think it's like very it's flawed. Like I, I, I okay. see it's endearing, but it, he he had a lot to like sort out. Sure. Even his character is yeah. a little meaner. It's funny you oh, bring that really? up. Yeah. Wow, okay. Is a little can't even He's like that. this postman character, and his postman character was his character before Hulo, and he shows up in a few things, he's in some shorts. And he is kind of mean. And it and it and it's <laughs> not only he's kind of mean. Tati is kind of making fun of a guy with this, it okay. feels oh, like. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he kind of gets that out of the system. Yeah, and then it, but it does feel like, yeah, he matures, he grows up, and he just starts making these absolute masterpieces. I also read a great thing about Tati that he, uh, every bit, he, every joke he writes into his scripts or every, anything, he'll write it, and then he'll wait a year, and he'll look at the joke again. And Whoa. if a year later the joke still works, he'll put it in the movie. That is fucking wild. That's, yeah. The patience on that. Yeah. I mean, crazy. I guess you have patience when no one's giving you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can sit around that year anyway. He directed Jour de Fête when he was like what forty or something. Like yeah, that? he really yeah. struggled for a lot of his life, yeah. and like, and in the early and the late, like he had a sort of middle that was not even—I wouldn't call it like thriving. You know, it no. was like he was a working director certainly, and he was at award shows and everything. But like that was a brief window, and then yeah, he died penniless and pretty bitter. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I get it. All I wanted to do was, was bring uh, joy to, and happiness to people, was yeah. to make people feel good, and the world was like, no, fuck you, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, he's French. What are you going to say? going to die bitter. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an inevitability. Uh, Chris, would you recommend Parade? I would, um, if you like, if, if you're somebody who likes sort of uh, vaudevillian entertainment stuff, art, artsy stuff like that, Comedy, 
Definitely big time. If if you watch movies because you want them to be cat in a hot tin roof and stuff like that, you're not going to have fun at this. Right. So that's my right, recommendation. Right. Uh, I was going to do a conditional recommend. This is an only for Tati Heads one. Uh, but I think that I just, I'm just going to give it the, just a good old regular old recommendation. There we go. Because I do think that there is, it. like, <laughs> you talked me into it. Because I think there's just enough. You guys are married now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife, Shirsha Ronan, will be very disappointed. <laughs> is that canon? Put everyone hide. With Mark, they're both taking me out, and uh, I'm canceled. Anyway, right. <laughs> uh, but I think that there's just, like, such a joy and appreciation for the act of performance, the act of uh, uh, showmaking, yeah. and, um, you know, just in any kind of capacity, set dressers, musicians, magicians, magicians, yeah. uh, even audience members. It's oh, yeah, it, he loves the, that's another thing we didn't really touch on, but he loves an audience. Yeah. He loves an audience. Yeah. And they're fun and silly. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, I love the guy that just is like, does all the like kind of fun, like wand tricks. Yeah. I love that. He like angrily flags the performer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and just like does a magic trick and sits back down. It's such awesome. a. Uh, but I think this is just a really sweet movie, and I, it might be like I don't think it would be my first Tati that I would recommend. Yeah, Again, I, I would definitely. Either, yeah. I think I think Kilo's Co- Holiday is like it's just so nice and breezy. Got a very good jazz score, and you can just like kind of it kind of lets you know that. it lets you know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. and like. Okay, so I don't think I actually brought up how I was introduced to Tati. Oh, no, because no, please, it was yeah. kind of a weird, it was a little bit of a weird I situation. read your Playtime review on Letterboxd. I have, I do know your takes here. <laughs> don't know what that means. I know your takes here, so let's go, let's, let's go, go for I it. I may have matured since, okay. since these takes, but I was in, uh, at Chapman, you have to take, every film student at Dodge has to take history of film from the beginning to 1959, and then a second part of the class, which is 1959 to present day. Right. And the first part of the class is very history focused and very like this is you know these were the big studios. Who was your teacher? I had Harrison Gish for yeah. the first part and then Don Fertini. He's related part. to Lillian Gish. No. Okay. I had baby cool. actually. That was. I cool. had Fertini for the second part too. I loved her. I loved her too. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And but so Fertini comes up in this story. Oh great. So uh, I in the first part it's very history based. It's very like you know this is what you need to know about the history of the studio system and like how things operated within the studio system. You don't watch as many, and then with that, there's a lab section to the class, and you actually watch a movie once a week. I'm telling Chris this. Chris knows Mason's on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but, I'm here. I'm here. But um, but so so are all of the listeners. So are all the listeners. I'm waiting to hear. Fuck that. We don't. This is goddamn show. We're done, baby. But um, so uh, so in the first part of the class, you got to write a paper. Blah blah blah. I don't think you get to pick your movie, but you, at least in my class, you picked a topic, and I like. Talked about, you know, I fucking picked how did sound change comedy? And so I, like, you know, wrote about, like... Walked right into that I, one. I yeah. know, I know. <laughs> but, I, but I wrote about, like, bringing up Baby and, like, you know, yeah, that man. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I picked, Love you know, that. comedies. I wrote about My Man Godfrey and stuff like nice. that. Yeah, that and then great. I watched, you know, The Gold Rush, which is... Honestly, that's probably my favorite Chaplin, to really? be honest with you. Interesting. Okay. The Gold Rush is probably my favorite. I've actually never... Okay, Cinema Sin, here we go. Never seen City Lights. Oh, okay. uh, that know. might... That would probably be... I think that's my favorite. Probably would be my favorite. Yeah. I mean, that one just it. makes you just, like, just like sob. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I'm not actually a big Modern Times guy, to be 100% honest That one's that. not... I'm not huge on that one, yeah. either. Yeah. I, I like that take. And it's also... I like that. It's also like in the, it was in The Joker, as well. Yeah, yeah was it? it was in Do The you Joker, remember? yeah. He goes to see... He, he meets Thomas Wayne at a screening. And it's, and it's no, God, you're right, you're right. Shot where he's going through the gears. Yeah. yeah. Are you down to stick around and do a whole two hours on Joker? <laughs> Let's do a bonus release. <laughs> bonus release. Two on hours Joker. on Joker. Why it's underrated. Yeah. <laughs> Why it's 
Probably not enough people are talking about Joker. That's so exhausting from Joker. So is Alex not gonna stop. But so, but so I have Don Fertini for the second part, and we're doing the thing where she puts you know a bunch of movies that are from 1959 to present day in a hat, and we pick it out, and she's like, if you have, if you've seen the movie, you got to put it back. And I was like, okay, I'm a cinephile. I've seen all these movies. Blah blah blah. And so I'm a big fucking idiot. And so (laughs) the hat comes around. And I pick up Monsieur Hulot's Holiday. And nice. I'm like, Don, this is from 1953. Like, you know, like, like, <laughs> I, got like, you. like I got you, you big piece of shit. <laughs> and then she's like, that's okay. You can do it anyway. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure? It's really not in the time frame of the class. She's like, nah, you'll like why it. Why not just make it playtime? I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. But she, that was in the hat. And I picked it. I genuinely think it could have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. But I had to watch it for the paper. And I had to write, like, uh... You know, how does this fit into, uh, you know, whatever we were talking about and then my own, like, analysis of it or whatever. And I watched it and I was excited to because I, like, knew about Tati. And I knew that he was, this, like, this is a great opportunity for me to start getting into him because, you know, you hear about Chaplin and Keaton and, you know, all these other silent performers, but you never hear about Tati, especially in, you know, America. Yeah. And I was watching the movie and I'm like, oh, I don't like this very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. can't believe that this, like, Failed, failed me, quote unquote, because right. I was so excited. But then, for whatever reason, it stuck in my mind, and I was like, you know, I'll I'll keep watching, I'll keep giving it another shot. And then I watched, you know, my uncle, and I was like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Yeah. And then Playtime, I gotta be honest with you, I like Playtime. It's a masterpiece as far as like what you're seeing on screen. But for me, if I gotta pick one, it's my uncle. Like, I, if I gotta pick one, I, I think my roommate has the yeah. same take on that too. Yeah, he does Tommy? Oh, does he? Yeah, but I I don't know. I think that. I don't know. It feels maybe they, it is better, but it almost feels there's like disrespectful little, to him. Like I want to say his biggest no, movie I, is I, his I, best. I, one. Sure, I'll <laughs> no, I understand. It. There's a more human touch to my uncle, and I just yeah. kind of respond to the audacity of playtime. Yeah, one of the biggest, like one of my actual, like there are very like as you, as you get older and older. For at least for me, it's harder to like have like a whoa moment with a movie, especially when you know how movies are made. Yeah, and yeah. You start to understand that exactly. Process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, one of the biggest whoa moments I've had in the last five years is when he like drops the water thing and then it bounces. Yeah. I couldn't, I was like, you got me. <laughs> so you, got me you got me, Jacques. You got me, yeah. Jacques. Throw me Nailed in prison. It. it was incredible. Uh, so no, would you recommend Parade then? This is a conditional recommend. Gotcha. This, this is a recommend, especially if you like Tati and haven't seen it. But it, like you said, Chris, it's barely a movie. It is. And so if you, but on that note, I will, I'm, I've made a plea for us to remake the party with Shah Rukh Khan. Yep. And I will make another plea that, uh, filmmakers going forward play around with this more because I like when movies bend reality and you don't quite know where you are and what's happening and nobody approaches that fundamentally at the medium of bending the reality in terms of what you are watching and is it a movie or is it a presentational thing? Are these people actors or are they not? There's just nobody plays around with that. And I, I encourage uh, someone if they're all the listeners who are making movies right now, I encourage you to play around with the medium itself in terms of bending and twisting. I, uh, I would like to co-sign that. Like yeah. just, can I get some papers? I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except for say. Christopher Nolan and Memento. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only time where I'm like, this guy's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. Uh, um, it's, hard to, it's hard to do like a kind of uh, perf- like a, 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 an experimental thing in like a narrative. Yeah, like, absolutely. That level. Unless you're Christopher Nolan and then you're just... Yeah. You know, and I totally think there are examples, even like 
there's like comedies in the 60s and 70s and stuff that play around with that. I think the Beatles movies are a great example of that. That's this. actually yeah, a really yeah, good yeah, one. Yeah. I've Beatles only movies seen are Hard Day's so night. good. Yeah, the Ken, the Ken Russell directed those? Um, no, Richard, Richard Lester. Lester. Richard Lester, yeah. that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the that's really why I think this movie stands above. It's because it 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 like opened the door a little bit that you could look inside and you're like, wow, in there, there's a whole different way of just ingesting media, sure. and consuming imagery and stuff, and like, who knows where that could lead? Would you say now this this might be a very pointed question, but would you say David Lynch is at all like? Yes. Doing that? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, maybe yeah. one of the only people Anything doing Maybe on one of the television. only people, and he's yeah. doing it on television, and I think he's a great example of it, but he's also, like, a very uh, niche and esoteric filmmaker, sure. and I think there's... I'm sure it will, because it always starts with the experimental filmmakers and then it becomes mainstream. So I'm sure in 20 years, more filmmakers are going to be playing around in this way, but, you know, get get to it. Let's, yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, Chris... Thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you guys for having me yeah, on. Thanks this for bringing so Jacques fun. Tati and the Kinks. Yeah. I'm always happy to talk about Tati. And, uh, if yeah. people are interested in following you, finding you, places, where can they find uh, you? Twitter, Chris Chalakian, and that name is Chalakian, T-C-H-O-L-A-K-I-A-N. Thank you for spelling that so that I can find your Twitter. Yes. Chris Chalakian. Yes. Give me a follow. I sometimes tweet stuff about the deuce because I am pretending to like the deuce a lot. You are pretending to like yes. the deuce. It's, it's a bit, bit, folks. It is a bit. Uh, other than that, you can find me nowhere, doing nothing. I uh, don't <laughs> exist. Goodbye. Um, I'll oh, there we go. He just completely <laughs> dissipated. That was fucked what just happened. He was here, and then in a second he was air. <laughs> uh, I'll co-sign on Chris's Twitter. It's funny. Cool. Thank you. I'll, can I plug Chris's Twitter again? Yeah. yeah uh, no, no, follow no, no. Chris at Chris Chalakian. Yeah. Uh, you got oh, some good tweets. There. And also watch watch my friend's very fun show, Everything Now. I'm on that sometimes. You can see me there. Everything Now show. It's a Twitch show. Noah's it's very on fun. Times. Noah's on it. Rocky, yeah, who was on. Maybe. Rocky, who was on with you guys, is one of the main people in it. He's very talented. They're all very talented. It's a fun show. Uh, if you like weird internet, uh, conditional recommend. If you, like, <laughs> if you like weird internet stuff, you're going to absolutely love this thing a lot. So please check it Hell out. Yeah, 100%. No. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at noah.marger, dot spelled D-O-T, noah.marger. You can also find me on Instagram at, at ylg.world. That's dot as in the punctuation period, ylg.world. Uh, follow us on there for some fun-ass comedy. We're doing every skinny skits every Wednesday, and we got other little little memes coming out the rest of the week. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd if you really want to. It's my name. Nope. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, your, name, name. it's your name Spooner. It's my name Spoonerismed-wise. It's uh, Moa Narger. So yeah. you can follow me at Moa Narger. I'm also on Letterboxd. It's my name, Unspoonered. It's just my regular name. I've already spelt it. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and you never will again. Yeah, and just a quick... There's a lot of really hot takes. So the Letterboxd ratings, I'll just say I'm a very solipsistic person. It's just all about how I feel about it personally. So don't read anything into there that. There you go, That's kind of <laughs> what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything to recommend for this episode? Um... If you ever at the Landmark Theater, the Apple Pan is within walking distance. Nice. It's a cash-only burger joint. Went in with a former guest of the show, Claire Epting. Hey! We went in there, had a little bit of a bite to eat. 
she did not have any cash on her. Perfect. So that was a little bit of a scary moment where I was like, do I have enough money to cover both of us? And guess what? I do, because I'm a PA and I make bank. Hey, 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 hey. So go to the Apple Pan. I didn't get to try the pie. I didn't have enough money. So uh, <laughs> so try the pie. Tell me what you, tell me what you fucking think of the pie. Uh, what about you, Mace? Uh, I'm Mason. I'm on Instagram at Hot Dog Debicki. Hot Dog the Food Debicki. Elizabeth Debicki. Also, Good Sky Tonight, which is where I take pictures of the sky tonight t-o-n-i-t-e uh i have another podcast the barna podcast about the shield we should be midway into season five when this one comes out which Holy is shit. in my memory very good season of television has forced whitaker as the uh, oh, really? kind of the antagonist yeah oh he's incredible he's such he's an actor that unfortunately isn't very i'm not gonna say he doesn't have range because he definitely has range but he can only be cast i feel like in certain kind of parts but when he nails it he, he fucking he, he nails he, it. he delivers uh i love force whatever yeah, very I, I heard a great story about him doing a bunch of cocaine with a guy who was going to pitch for the yankees during the world series then we'll talk about that off <laughs> like um, uh do i have anything to recommend uh oh i guess if this is around like end of year time i don't know i was listening to the uh orville peck as an uh, as an artist uh musician that i've been listening to a lot of recently he has an album this year that is called uh i think it is oh fuck what's it called it's called pony orville peck's pony is an album from this year that i really liked it's very uh Weird and uh, it's like kind of uh, weird cinematic country. I don't know how to describe it, but uh, good shit. Uh, this we're gonna break reality for just one sec. Okay. We don't know if this is our last episode or not. Yeah. So for the season, so yeah. let's just say that we're gonna continue doing the pod okay. uh, via Skype. But this is like the end of season one. Yeah. And if for whatever reason we do get to do Thomas, let's see. We can just tack this onto the end of his episode. Okay. So is if you're cool? listening, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this great. is the end of season one. This is the end of season one, folks. This has been a fun, uh, a fun. Uh, What's going on? Well, shouldn't I not talk because if it's Thomas, I shouldn't be saying stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. This so. entire ending is sort of a major disaster. <laughs> I knew it was. I knew this was going to fuck everything else. Oh, shit. Well, just uh, maybe I'll take this part out and uh, just... Uh, no, definitely take this part yeah. out. <laughs> so if you're listening no, to this, I'm taking it's out... Thomas, leave this part out. <laughs> just, just like this. <laughs> like this. Thomas is nowhere to be found. Uh, folks, thank you for listening. We'll see you next season. Next season, we're going to be doing it a different way. We're going to be doing it a different way. Uh, I will not be in the city of Los Angeles anymore, but we will adapt... And we'll have a good time. We'll have a great time. Some Chicago friends, maybe. I am, I'm so excited to bring some Chicago people on the pod, honestly. And uh, so we'll see you... For season two. Season two, baby. Bye-bye.